Welcome back to My Life, His Story, brought to you by Reboot Recovery. I'm your host, Brian Flannery. This week, we have part two of this amazing interview coming. So if you missed last week's episode one, make sure you go back and watch that before moving forward. Like, follow, share, stay connected. That way you never miss an interview right here at My Life, His Story. Yeah, so Karen, as we ended last episode, here you were overcoming these suicidal ideations. And, you know, of course, the rest of life became nothing but gumdrops and rainbows, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, no, I wish. I wish, Brian. That's how it always turns out. (laughs) (laughs) You know, yeah. The funny thing about this is I I really thought after, you know, kind of overcoming that and getting past some some hardships, you know, that, okay, you know, got into my 30s and thought, I'm raising up my boys and, you know, this is, we had our ups and downs, but I thought this is going okay, you know, and then kind of middle school for my oldest hit um, and we had some challenges. We... Um, we had one event that I, I'm not going to share too much detail on this piece of it um, because it just leads into something else. But it was something that I felt nobody else could understand. Nobody else sure. could relate to what we had experienced. And it caused me to pull away from friends, my church family. I actually, in 2011, walked away from my church. I loved my church. They did nothing wrong. <laughs> People were confused, but I just felt like what we were going through and what we had experienced, nobody could understand it. Nobody would be able to not look at us and judge our family. And I just, I didn't want that. So here we are kind of in this place of not having that same support and family and stuff. And I was starting to work and created my own business and creating all these things around me that I wanted for support and what I was doing. And raising up my kids. Nathan was 13 at this point and Caden was nine. And um, this is when Newcastle in Connecticut when the school shooting happened. And, you know, I looked at, I looked at Nathan and Caden. I thought, gosh, do they, do they worry or think about these things? Like I do as a parent and we all do, you know, as parents. And Mm -hmm. so I asked Nathan, we had a very open relationship to be able to talk about things. And I just said, Hey, Nathan, do you and your friends ever talk about school shootings? He's 13, eighth grade. And he said, yeah. And I was like, man. I was like, buddy, I'm sorry. You know, what, what does that conversation look like? What do you guys talk about? And he said, mom, it's not a matter of if, it's when. Wow. And like, it had to be hard as wow. a parent to hear that from your 13 year old. And I thought, I need to clarify on this a little bit. And so I mm-hmm. said, Nathan, do you mean like when in the world it will happen. And he goes, no, he goes, when it's going to happen here. Wow. I, I don't know if I've ever really been speechless in my life, but you know, I have two kids that are right around 13 and I can't fathom my kids saying it's not if it's when. Yeah. And Um, here. It's not when am I going to hear about it on the news. It's when is it going to happen in my school. Yeah, and almost as a terrible foreshadowing, 
as a mom, hearing your child say that is unbelievable. But then what you didn't expect and, you know, sorry, going back to what you said earlier, you always thought that it would be you that would die at a tragically early age. But then your biggest fear as a mom came true. Yeah. Now, my kids are still here. I just want to make sure nobody. Sure. But, but mm-hmm. not, that was February of 2014 and October, nine months, you guys, to the day. I get the call that there's a school shooter. And we live in a in um, in Marysville, Washington, and we have two high schools, and our high schools are very intertwined. Um, you know, all the buses go to all the community, and they pick up all the kids. They drop off at one high school, and then they go to the next. And all the kids know each other, and it's very close. Nathan was at the other high school, and um, I get a phone call, and I was in a meeting, and I ignored the phone call. And um, he didn't actually even have a cell phone, so I wasn't sure what this number was, but he called and he, he said, Mom, there's a school shooting and it's this person. And we knew this person. Hmm. You know, this was a kid that my son played sports against, literally head to head in um, two different sports. And he had friends that were at the lunchroom table that day. And um, yeah, that was. He called it, you know, he said, yeah. it's not a matter of when it's, or if it's when, and I, for some reason, I kind of knew he was right. Sure. Yeah. And I think in situations like this, oftentimes, right, like the media and everything else afterwards, they portray all these crazy things. And, and, and honestly, I think my mentality has always been, I want to spend time where it matters, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have this horrific experience, legitimately a parent's worst nightmare. Um, And I want to ask you, can you walk me through, walk us through the the healing Mm. journey that this started? Because I know it wasn't right away. And I know, again, it wasn't like abracadabra, poof, gumdrops and rainbows. Like, But can you help us understand what it looked like to heal from this? Yeah. Well, you know, it was interesting. The first couple things, once I kind of could breathe, you know, that moment Mm -hmm. of just like all the air leaving, I went, okay, Lord, you know, I just watched, first of all, our community. Our community was amazing. We had a place called the Living Room Coffee House, and they opened up. They had, um, they were kind of a church coffee house. They literally opened up and they took in all the kids and took care of people. Um, I really started noticing different people in our community. You know, not only the the first layer of all of us who, you know, either people who are at the school, uh, you know, actual Marysville Pilchuck, the other kids at the other schools. Um, Then you had, you know, siblings and kind of the, the ripple effects outwards. But then you started seeing like the baristas who saw moms and dads coming through their stand every day, just crying. You saw the people who worked at the cell phone places with parents in there, you know, buying cell phones through the roof because Mm. they wanted to be in communication with their kids every moment that they could. And 
and God just kept putting on my heart, like these pieces, you know, and, and watching it and just giving me a, words of how to, how to have conversations with my kids. And, you know, I wouldn't ask my kids necessarily how they were doing. You know, we, we had check-ins. We didn't, we did this. I feel like I'm supposed to tell this. I will. <laughs> um, we had these check-ins instead of saying, how are you doing? It was, Hey, on a scale of one to five, just give me a number. Just give me a number how you're doing, you know, and it was like, well, I'm okay. Mm. That's not okay. You know, that's so it's, it's so funny how parents do that. Like, um, man, I haven't thought about this in probably 25 years, but mm -hmm. my dad, uh, he was a big fan of home improvement, you know, the tool time show. With yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there was an episode where, Instead of saying I love you, they would say how about how about them lions, right? Yeah. That's what he would. That's what Tim Allen would always say, and that just became mine and my dad's thing. Like, like so randomly, he would just like even when I was deployed, he would on he would send me a letter that literally just said how about them lions, wow. you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's it's always awesome to me when parents. And kids have this special way of communicating where even though outside, nobody else has any idea what they're saying, <laughs> yeah. right? Like for us, we have one with my son. My oldest son is a bull in a china shop. He just is. He's a big kid and he just, he doesn't think. He just moves and he breaks stuff. And so our whole family, we just do this, right? We'll just look at him and do that. And then he's like, oh, I need to calm down, <laughs> you know, but... Anyway, so that's special. Just being able to communicate with your kid, even if it's just a number, because then there's also no fear. Like nobody else knows what that number means, but you and them. So that's awesome. Yeah. And I guess, you know, when we, most of us, when we hear or read about um, about these school shootings that that are increasing and happening more and more. I think one of the things that we always fail to realize is the healing that the whole community needs. Yes. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and even as you were just talking about the baristas and the phone salespeople and all these people that were affected second, third, fourth hand of this, like at the end of the day, it's an event like, it's almost like 9-11, right? 9-11 of 2001 was one of the worst days in American history for Americans, right? We were attacked. We were punched in the face by an enemy. Um, many people in my generation, that's what led us to the military, right? Yeah. That's what ignited the fire under us that America is worth fighting for. But, and as much as we talk about 9-11-2001, I always... I always think back to 9 12 2001. Yeah. That was the first time I'd ever seen some of my neighbors come outside and shake hands. That right. was the first time my whole street was covered in American flags. Yep. That was the first time that I had ever seen our nation really rally and unify against something. It didn't matter if you were left or right, rich or poor, middle class, upper class. None of that mattered. Together we were Americans. And it sounds like from what you're describing, that's really the same decision that your community made against and after this school shooting. Yes, absolutely. It was, it was amazing to have that 
you know, experience. And we still, you know, that mm -hmm. was 2014. And we still, every time somebody comes, you know, we've got our regional operation center for reboot is here in Marysville. And I love that, you know, when we looked around the United States and, you know, they put a, a dot in a map, they picked Marysville, Washington, you know, and yeah. it, every person says this is so needed. And the thing that I love about this community is the fact that we, we came together, you know, to really help each other through this. Yeah. And yeah. I think that kind of to Brian's point earlier, I think that we really miss those opportunities of, of focusing on those moments when tragedy happens in these yeah. communities and in our country, focus on the, the rallying together and the support instead of the, the tragedy that happened. Yes, we, we know that happened, but instead of putting so much, I mean, I, we see the pictures and we see all the things of the perpetrators or whatever it may be, focus on the love and the uniting of the communities, your community that's coming together yeah. and supporting one another and building one another up even to this day. You know, I think that's just powerful and I love that you shared that. Um, I think we miss that a lot and, and thank you for bringing that forward even more and reminding yeah. me of how important that is. May I share one more piece? I've got another piece of our story. Um, yeah. That's kind of, um, it really is at the time I didn't understand, you know, I thought we'd again experience the worst, you know, what gets worse, you know, than a school shooting. Um, but the next part of our journey um, really laid foundation to see what God's doing in my life and to realize how he's pulled all these pieces together. Um, so is it okay if I share that here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is your time. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, when these traumas come up, it's not funny, but when these traumas come up, you think, okay, this is it. This is, you know, here's again, the, what'd you say, Brian, the gum drops and rainbows? Yeah, gum drops and right? rainbow. <laughs> That's right. Life is gum well, drops and rainbows. Yeah, so we thought, okay, you know, we experienced a school shooting the next year. It was like, okay, and that was my, my oldest son's first year of high school. Um, you know, my youngest was in fifth grade at the time, you know, and it was like, okay, now, now we can breathe. Everything's good. We're going to move on to this next part. And so sophomore year, it was exciting. He actually, um, he had switched to Pilchuck. He wanted... Um, something that people who know my son understand well he's got kind of this my oldest he's got this warrior spirit where he wants to save the day and mm -hmm. so he actually transferred to marysville pilchuck because he wanted to make sure if that ever happened again he could stop it mm -hmm. so um he we're going through sophomore year and he's going and um something happened altercation started to happen and he tried to stop it it ended up um having something happen. I got to back up a second to show you how God worked through this. That morning at eight o'clock, I was sitting on my couch and I was drinking my coffee. And, and the way I kind of sometimes have time with God is I just talk out loud to him. I sit there and imagine, you know, that I can feel like God's right there with me on my couch and I'm drinking coffee and talking to him. And I just had this thing of going, God, with everything that we've been through and my belief of, you know, tragic things happen to kids, you know, all this. I don't trust you, God. And that was such a weird place to be in to say, I don't trust you. And I said, I, I don't trust you that bad things won't happen to my kids. 
and I went, I was saying this out loud to him. I said, because that's not the promise. You didn't promise that bad things won't happen in life. And I've got, you know, evidence behind me, Lord, of all the times that bad things have happened. The promise, I know you say the promise is that you'll hold me, but I don't like, like, I thank you that you'll hold me, but that's not what I want. Like, I want bad things not to happen. Sure. That was at eight o'clock in the morning. And at one o'clock, I get a phone call that my son is being taken by ambulance from the high school to the emergency room because his jaw has been broken in two places at school because Mm. he was trying to stop a fight, got into it, and two places in his jaw. The thing that God did with this was so, there's so many more pieces. We'd need probably like three more podcasts to share how God works. The good good news is I know the host, so we can always have you back. (laughs) (laughs) well i'll try to keep it (laughs) condensed but there is there's a lot more and uh so my son's jaw was broken six weeks of keeping him out of school and um going through surgeries jaw wired shut he couldn't talk for the first week um that's another story there um i had to feed him we we even blended pizza so he could try food you know, because he couldn't eat or anything. Anyways, we, um, after that, it was a matter of kind of watching over his shoulder. You know, who is he going to have to fight after that? Who is sure. he going to have to, what battle was he going to have to face in high school? So he went the rest of his sophomore year, got into junior year. By the end of junior year, he had 0.65 of a credit. Not 6.5, 0.65 of a credit. And I'm just going, why does he quit? Like, I, sure. I give up. He wasn't working. He wasn't doing anything. He literally was going to school every day looking over his shoulder. Mm. And um, he came to me and he said, Mom, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not going to graduate. And he's like, I found this thing called the Washington Youth Academy. And it's the school that I go for red, uh, credit retrieval. And I was like, no, Nathan, you don't need that. That's that's boot camp for bad kids. No. You know, and he's like, no, mom, this is what I, I feel like this is what I need to do. And I fought it. No way. You're not going there. He did. He ended up going there. Um, it was it was um, five and a half months where he went and lived at the school. And we only saw him three times during this. Wow. He came out. All those things that had been stolen from our trauma, all those pieces, you know, from the shooting to his jaw being broken to just missing out on high school the way that it should have been. He got to reclaim that and, you know, kind of work through things differently. Flash flash forward, he graduated, came back, graduated the end of his high school. And when the shooting happened, sports were gone for him, right? He quit all sports and he was, he was a football star. He, um, when the jaw got broken, his dream of being in the military, we thought was gone. You know, they're not going to take him. He wanted to go in the Navy and and do all this and when you got a metal plate here on your chin and you know you've had your jaw broken they're not going to take him well he came out and he went to a national guard and it was like you want to go national guard what what are you talking about and he goes yeah that's that's what i want to do and i was like awesome you know much respect for that you know but that's never been what you wanted and he said no that's what i want to do i know i'm skipping through fast but i just gotta no, show you how god works in this yeah <laughs> yeah 
So he goes, we go to MEPS, right? And for anybody who doesn't know, MEPS is, you know, where you go to sign up, sign on the dotted line and, you know, raise your right hand and all that good stuff. And we go there for National Guard and they do all the medical stuff because they're okay with his job being broken. They didn't even really look at that. Navy wouldn't have looked twice at him. They didn't, he wouldn't have been able to go. So we go, he gets cleared medically, all these pieces. He goes to get his job that they, you know, for him to sign up for. And they said, oh, you can't have the job you want. And he went, okay, well, here's my second choice. They said, no. He came out and I mean, we're all, you know, it's a big fanfare day sure. and everything. 18 year old Nathan is sitting there and he goes, or 17 at the time. He's like, mom, I can't get the job I want. I'm not called to do these things that they want me to do. And I said, buddy, you got to make that choice then. And he said, oh, I want to walk. Okay. So we left. Week later, he returned back to MEPS because he had gone to the Navy recruiter. And they said, oh, yeah, we'll take you. They didn't ask anything about his jaw, nothing. We get back to MEPS. This is how good God is. Because he had already been cleared for the National Guard, they never looked at his medical record. They actually, they're like, okay, what job did you want? He said, I want this job. Guess what? He swore, you know, swore in that day. That's awesome. And that's how God worked that out. Wow. Well, now, again, there's so much more to the story, but that sure. is for another Absolutely. time. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I do appreciate the Cliff Note versions. Uh, <laughs> for, for anyone that's listening, Cliff Notes was an abbreviated version of stories that you could use to read summaries to <laughs> write papers on uh, before, before the Internet. Yeah. yeah, before the Google was a big thing. But, uh, Karen, I just... I'm so thankful. Thank you so much for joining us today uh, and last week. And thank you so much for for just being willing to talk about your life and how your life became his story. I'm so thankful that you made the decision to personally heal and that your family followed suit in that decision as well. And I would just say to anybody that's listening, if there's something you're going through or something you've been through, and you've always just stuffed it or ran from it or hid from it, Um, and check out RebootRecovery.com because you can start your healing journey today as well. So Karen, thank you again so much. Heather, thank you for, for joining us. We appreciate you all, and we'll see you next week.